Welcome, listener, to another edition of the Coco and Dolls podcast. We are real people doing real reviews. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dolls. And this uh, edition of the podcast, we're going into the docu-series category, as opposed to the uh, ribald, raucous uh, comedy series like we did in the last podcast. Coco, what did we most recently watch? We most recently watched Trial 4, an eight-part docuseries that was just released on Netflix last week, if you're listening to this in real time, which you should be. Why aren't you? Trial 4 is about a young man named Sean Ellis, who in 1993 was arrested and charged with killing a cop in Boston. In 1995, he was tried three separate times for this murder. The first two trials ended with hung juries. The third trial, he was convicted. He spent the next 20 years in prison until 2015 when a, uh, I guess, an appellate judge ruled that he deserved a new trial because, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, there were some crooked cops doing some shenanigans Uh around the initial investigation in the early to mid-90s and the judge were was not a fan of that. So that was in 2015 when the judge ordered uh, the conviction to be thrown out and him to have a fourth trial for this crime. But in December of 2019, just a year ago, the uh, Suffolk County DA, which uh, is part of like you know the Boston legal system, who prosecuted him initially, said they weren't going to try him a fourth time, not because. Wait, you just gave the whole thing away. Oh, that's fine. Not because he's an innocent man, but they took pains to say, we're sure he's still our guy, but we just don't think at this point we could get another conviction. Because apparently all they care about is their conviction rate and not justice justice or truth. So fortunately, Sean Ellis will never spend another day in prison for a crime he didn't commit, but unfortunately, he hasn't been completely exonerated. So Daltz... Tell us what you thought of Trial 4, the eight-part docuseries. Uh, each episode was around 50 to 60 minutes. On Netflix, I uh, I thought it was pretty good. I I thought there was a little bit of Madeline McCann in this one. We uh, reviewed the disappearance of Madeline McCann ages ago, and that was the <laughs> one that I keep going back to on the death of editing in terms of it was way too long. There was a lot of uh, drone footage, etc. I'm referring to that because I thought there was a little bit of that in this as well. I thought there was some overlap. I think what's happening here when I'm watching these series is that I think filmmakers are, some filmmakers are still going into it thinking that people will be watching these like they used to watch TV shows. So in other words, you know, you sit down and you watch it on a Tuesday and then the next one comes out the following Tuesday. Like Disney is doing with The Mandalorian. Right. Each episode of which in this second season we're reviewing. So check that out, listener. Exactly. So it's it's almost like the filmmakers are still, you know, they, they feel the need to review stuff and duplicate coverage in some of these episodes. So I thought it was really good. I thought it was eight episodes, as you mentioned. Uh, I thought it probably could have been about four or five. I mean, if it had been trial four and it had been four episodes, maybe that was that's too neat and tidy. But <laughs> it, maybe it could have been six episodes. Um, they could have trimmed back on it. But it was really compelling. It was really frustrating to see this Sean Ellis who uh, – like you said, was a very young guy and just got trapped in the wrong situation. Ended up going to jail for you know a half of his life. Right. And 
you just can't overstate how awful that is. And and we feel that and we see that and we have a uh, a pit bull of a lawyer who's his defense lawyer. She was great. She was fantastic. I mean, you mentioned uh, off the top that it looked like Guy Fieri was her. It was his lawyer. I thought that <laughs> was. I couldn't shake that for the rest of the the documentary. The very first shot of I believe the first episode was them in the courtroom when the judge is about to overturn his conviction, and you see the defense lawyer just from the back, the and back, she's yeah. got that Guy Fieri hair, and she's kind of got the same build as Guy Fieri, and I was like, what? Like yeah. no, diners, would... drive-ins, and dives came to the Boston courtroom. Like, no, what? How, how awesome would that be? <laughs> like, he's in the courtroom and he's like, "Judge, I don't know anything about law, but I know these ribs are delicious." And he's wearing his bowling shirt, right, and, and his shades, <laughs> licking his fingers, right, totally. <laughs> So other than the Guy Fieri thing, there's not a lot of humor in this, <laughs> right? Uh, it's pretty serious, uh, pretty straight up, and. I thought it was well done. I, I, it looked like it was, uh, from your uh, observations, Coco, that it was done by a, a foreign film crew. So, like, a lot of the production crew was not from the United States. Um, and sometimes it takes uh, that perspective to shine new light on the justice system in the United States. And this kind of thing goes on and on. So that it's not just this particular case, but this is a launching point for the kind of injustice that is going on across the country where you've got people that are uh, accused of doing crimes they didn't commit and then end up going to jail and spending time in jail for crimes they didn't commit in the worst case obviously being a murder charge um and i thought that was a it was a very interesting perspective and very um very uh, i had never really seen much of this before i mean there are cases like this in canada when i was growing up famous cases um, that I had uh, a little bit of knowledge to, but this one was really in-depth. And I thought it was really good that we got a real inside look at the defense. So the lawyer let let the cameras into the into the, her office when they were strategizing and when Sean Ellis was coming in there and the defense team and everything like that. So it was just, it was really good in, in that way. I've talked a lot. <laughs> so if the listener is still there, please stay tuned for Coco's opinion of this. I knew you were going to say you thought it was too long. I actually Did you? Yeah, I actually appreciated that it was like a very comprehensive look at this case mm-hmm. because this case is very twisty. Mm-hmm. Like you have what was Sean Ellis doing on the night of the murders? Why was he tied to the, you know, murder initially? It was because two of his cousins got murdered and he happened to be interviewed by the cops. And what were these four crooked cops doing mm-hmm. and how were these witnesses found you know so i liked that it was like a very very comprehensive look at it like maybe they could have done things in more chronological order so the introduction of like the dead cop cell phone instead of waiting until like episode six or seven Mm -hmm. to whip that out maybe the first episode was just basically this is what happened on the night the cop died right right. you know and this is like the day after you know with everything that went on with that so Mm -hmm. maybe like the cell phone could have been introduced in that episode or episode two instead of waiting until closer to the end so maybe they could have taken like a bit more chronological approach to it but i didn't i didn't mind it it didn't feel super repetitive to me Mm -hmm. um and the episodes even though they were all in like just about the hour range they didn't really drag to me um so i didn't i didn't mind the amount of detail they went into i I hate to say that I enjoyed it because you don't want to say that you enjoyed that some poor innocent man right. spent half his life in prison for a crime he well, didn't commit. Well, we're reviewing the art form. Yeah, we're, not, but, we're not reviewing his life or anything. Yeah, like that. but we're reviewing the art form, so I I liked it. Um, like Dalt said, though, it 
it's sad that this isn't some crazy isolated mm-hmm. incident. You know, like stuff, injustice happens every single day across this country. And, you know, I mean, across the world, if we're being honest. But I'm not naive enough to sit here and think that there's not one justice system for white people and one for people of color. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, he was unlucky to be a young black kid in the wrong place at the wrong time when a white cop got killed Mm -hmm. and everything that came down on him after that you know is just horrible and it's good that we're able to live in a society where these sorts of documentaries can get made Mm -hmm. that can shine a light on injustice and we're not in just like some totalitarian regime where everything gets covered up and this is never going to see the light of day but it's sad that this even happened in the first place. And the defense attorney, her name was Rosemary Scapiccio, mm-hmm. I think. She said a few times, um, and granted, she's a defense attorney, so she has an agenda. But she said, you know, if you're a prosecutor, your aim should be justice. Mm-hmm. And if you know that somebody spent even one night in prison for a crime they didn't commit and you put that person in prison, you shouldn't be able to sleep. And I'm like, well, you know, on the one hand, given the justice system we have, that's a naive view. But on the other hand, I mean, that's right. Like, it shouldn't be about conviction rates. It should be, you know, we want to find out for this cop's family Mm -hmm. what happened. And whatever gets uncovered gets uncovered. And I'm sad about that, but at least we're going to have the correct people paying the price. Mm -hmm. We're going to know what actually happened, and the correct people are going to pay the price as opposed to this poor kid who was in the wrong place at the wrong time right. and we just wanted to pin it on anybody so we could cover up all the wrongdoings mm-hmm. you know of these crooked cops and you know so i mean yeah it's it's right we have a, a real problem with the justice system in this country well and i thought her i completely agree with the premise there that she's wanting justice and the justice system should be first and foremost concentrating on doing the right thing but <clears throat> excuse me but i think that that's a little bit of a utopian perspective as right. well. and But as close as we can get to that as right. possible is the goal. No now, system is perfect. And plus we were looking at in this from the early 90s, there was you know it's still obviously uh, a lot of uh, science that needed to be developed for forensics and that sort of thing that we have now that would make this case a lot easier to track down than it was in those days. Well, I don't know. I mean, even there was like nothing that tied him to the crime scene right. at all, except for the fact that he happened to be at the same store buying diapers around the time right. the guy, well, even the cop like, got shot. So even that, like close circuit uh, cameras, right. they didn't uh-huh. have any at the Walgreens. Yeah. They would have those now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there are things that, there are advancements that have been made that would make this a little bit simpler. Yeah. So it was the flimsiest of oh, yeah. evidence. And then there was some witness intimidation to get people to testify against well, this and kid. Intimidation and, and also yeah. payoff too. And payoff. So... Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's it was really interesting the way they did it too in terms of you're talking about the length and uh, it was a little bit long to me like I said but there some of the things that I really enjoyed about it were the teases like a, a good tease in a good book is um, you, you know for example you, uh, the character goes to the store and uh, looks for something and then walks out and that's not part of the main narrative but you're guessing as to what's going on there and they did this kind of thing in the documentary so that there were certain things that were dropped in there that you were like, why did that happen? And then they come back to that Mm -hmm. later on. So they explain it. So if you're watching the first couple of episodes and you're like, this is not fully baked. This seems like a half baked documentary. They actually do cover some things like the phone, like you, like you were saying, 
Um, they mention off the top about a woman maybe being in the car at the same time when the cop was murdered, but then they don't mention her until la- much later on. Mm-hmm. So you're almost like, did they forget about the woman? What's going right. on here? So there's, there are some threads through here that make it very attractive to come back to and, and keep you enticed, which I think is as the art form itself, you've got to have a documentary that pulls everything together at the end. I think that it does. I mean, I don't think it's any surprise to listener to know that the guy gets exonerated because he's in the interviews in the early going right. of the documentary. He's, he's in street clothes. I mean, yeah, he's driving around Boston. Like he's not in his his uh, jumpsuit. In, yeah, his jun- jumpsuit or his inmate suit, and he's not in the bright orange. Or he's not in you know. There's not bars behind him or anything like that. So you get the idea that yes, he's he's gotten off on this, but. Um, but it's still, it, there's still suspense because you want to know what's going on. Why are there four trials? Why are we talking about this guy at all? So I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. I I, uh, I think it was a minor complaint, really, that it was too long. I think it was fine. I, I think I'm just, I'm, I've got docu-series fatigue <laughs> because, you know, a lot of the times we're eating up a lot of our day trying to watch these things and and it's not a complaint because there are a lot worse things going on in the world right now than watching documentaries at home um but i'm just uh i'm looking for some new way of doing it other than the drone shots and the that's why i like the uh american murder the american murder so much was because it was it was small or short i should say it was a big story told in a small way, but it had a lot of breadth and depth. Um, there were some problems as we uh, subsequently learned about the balance and everything like that to that documentary. But the fact that they used all this new footage from and used Facebook posts and they did they recreated it without really having any access to footage. I thought that was really good. And uh, Trial Four is definitely your traditional documentary yeah. like you they were sitting down with the people the people were talking to the camera um, instead of doing recreations with actors they did like anime recreations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to American Murder which had none of that stuff it was just all like police body cam footage and footage from the interrogation room and you know, trial four did have you know like news footage from the time of mm-hmm. like Sean Ellis's trials and stuff but but yeah they interviewed Sean Ellis repeatedly they interviewed all of his defense attorneys they interviewed some jurors from the first couple trials right, right. you know they uh, shockingly did not interview any cops or yeah. DAs they all declined to be interviewed for this docu series I mean that's a hole in this story but I understand that they tried at the end of yeah. each episode. So they said, here's the list of people that did not want to participate in this mm-hmm. uh, series. And, I mean, all uh, you can do is reach out. And right. if they say no, they say no. And and they do have a couple of cops in there. They had a couple of the main cops uh, who were involved. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so there was their perspective. And um, those guys are, I mean, they're just covering up till the end. They're like, this investigation is clean as the driven snow. Like, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with this investigation. And yeah. I'm like, well, if that's how you got to sleep at night, then... Sure thing, pal. Well, that's the thin blue line, right? Like that's yeah. where everybody, uh, knowing some police officers in my life, I know how they can get defensive about that kind of thing. And uh, it's it's what's happening here for sure. And But there has been, you know, the, the story evolves from uh, a wrongful conviction into sort of like a social justice justice, and also into a, um, uh, a diversity aspect. So there's a lot there in terms of the problems that Boston has. Uh, in the infrastructure and in its history, but also socially. And and the, toward the end of it, you think a little bit more optimist, optimistically about it, I think. You come out of it thinking, well, maybe there's a chance here. Um, 
but it's 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 a pretty wild ride. It's a good little ride, I think. I hope that Sean Ellis has like sued the crap <laughs> out of the Boston PD and the Suffolk County DA and just anybody whose name he can put on that piece of paper. Like I just hope he sues the hell out of all of them because anybody is going to take a look at like all this evidence and they're going to be like, yeah, this kid got railroaded yeah. and he lost. Yeah. 22 of the prime years of his life like yeah. from when he was 19 to like what 44 or whatever yep. so yep. yeah and I mean stressful yeah I mean he deserves everything that he can get from those entities and his lawyer even said to him at one point she's like I don't like you being in Boston you know the cops are just gonna be chomping at the bit to like pull you over for running a stop sign mm-hmm. you know they're just looking for reasons to nail you so she was really nervous about him being in Boston and I I understand that completely. Well, and she was saying that too in relation to, do you want to take this any further? Do you right. want to get some compensation? Because, yeah, all they have to do is the the boys with the badges just pull them over, and then that case is dismissed, or it has right. some sort of uh, taint to it. So that right. it's a really difficult position to be because he wants to live in this his community, which is in Boston. Right, all his family is there. Everybody's there yeah. that he cares about. He wants to have a normal life, but at the same time, he's got to get something back out of this. You know, mm-hmm. if this if this actually falls the way it, it looks, then he served a lot of time for a murder that he did not commit. Yeah. So. Which, you know, how do you pay somebody back for that? Right, exactly. How do you compensate them for, you know, years lost? Yeah, he'd rather have those years back and have a family and have right. a stable job right. and just have his freedom. And He was talking about... I know everybody jokes about like showers in prison, but he was saying like that was one of the hard things for him when he came out, when he got released on bail awaiting his fourth trial, when his conviction was thrown out because in prison, you just want to get in and get out of the shower really fast. And you don't just stand there and like let the water wash over you if you've had a bad day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just get in and get out. And so when he went to like a halfway house or something, I guess, and they said, hey, take as long as you want in the shower. He was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? And that's just such a concept. It's like, wow, who, you know. Well, and even the thing that uh, underlined it to me was when his sister took him to vote. Yeah. And she was explaining as they were walking to the to the polling station how to vote. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these photos of him you yeah, know, with, with a ballot and, and filling it out and not closing up and not a close up with uh, what he was voting for or anything like that, yeah. but or who he was voting for. But that just struck me as as how we take for granted a lot right. of these civil liberties that we have and all these kinds of things were the things that were taken away from him. He wasn't allowed yeah. to vote in uh, Massachusetts because of that. So um it's just it's a heartbreaking story in so many ways, but I think these are the kinds of stories that are really important. I find documentaries compelling if they're done well, and this was this was done well. Again, I think it could have been shorter, but I I, I give it like a gavel and a half up, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd probably give it like in the B plus to A minus range too. Yeah, also. yeah. And uh, listener, I know that I probably should not. Uh, recommend other podcasts but (laughs) if you are interested in another story of a guy who was wrongfully convicted and railroaded you should check out season two of the podcast in the dark it's about a man in mississippi named curtis flowers who was tried six times Mm -hmm. for some murders back in i believe the 80s like 85 86 87 he was i think he was convicted all six times maybe, but at least three of those convictions were thrown out because the DA who tried the case uh, was a white guy who intentionally kept black people off the jury because 
the guy he was trying was a black person. Mm. And so when the U.S. Supreme Court tells you that, like, you're so racist that (laughs) (laughs) it's obvious, then maybe you ought to rethink what you're doing. But, yeah, so he was... uh, Supposed to be a jury of your peers, right? Right. And so finally, uh, I believe in 2019... um, the U.S. Supreme Court threw out Curtis Flowers' last conviction, and the Mississippi uh, like Attorney General has declined to prosecute him a seventh time. So, and it it just took a couple investigative journalists going down to Mississippi and interviewing old witnesses and coming up with like an alternate suspect. And yeah, so I highly recommend season two of In the Dark if you're interested in. Not that this should be entertainment for anybody. I mean, these are people's lives. Like Curtis right. Flowers lost, you know like 30, 35 years of his life in prison for right. crimes he didn't commit. But but the more the more we know about this kind of stuff, hopefully the greater the chance that it doesn't happen again. Right. Like the more of a spotlight uh, that is shown on these issues, the better. Mm-hmm. So so looks like we have a rec- uh, recommendation here for you, listener. Yeah, Trial 4. Check it out. Trial 4. So that's going to be it for another edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, listener. For another week, I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dalton.